0: Thank you, Pastor David. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, by the way, if you have any room in your row, seats next to you, do you mind just moving towards the center so people can come down these aisles and fill in? We have several in the back that are waiting for a seat. Thank you very much. And if you don't mind, from the back, just start walking forward. If you see people moving forward, say thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day. They just made room for you. It's really good to have you here Thanks so much for worshiping. And uh, you know, that's what we, we called everyone into, the, the value of worshiping, We're worshiping your heavenly father on a daily basis and worshiping with your family, your church family every week because we all grow. And you know what? We're all better together. We are better together when everyone is engaged. You know, Admiral Yamamoto, as he planned the attack on Pearl Harbor at the onset of World War II, right after he pulled that out and basically decimated our Pacific fleet, he says this. He said, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. And that's exactly what happened as we were attacked. And as uh, we were ushered into that war, uh, some of you, and we thank you for serving, served in that world, in World War II and uh, were awakened to that. And our whole country was awakened and resources, natural resources were just funneled into fighting that war because we were awakened. We were kind of sleeping, kind of being passive. And we got brought right into that war. You know what I believe? As I look at our church each weekend and we gather together to worship, I believe there are aspects about us that we're sleeping. We are a sleeping giant and you're going to see some realities today that are going to show you that a little bit, but they're also going to call you to awaken because the church is better and families are healthier when everyone is engaged. Not just one person working and serving, but everyone is engaged. It's how God has designed it and he's so gifted you and he's so blessed you that when you come to a place like this, he's calling you into engagement. Engagement into your family, which he's provided. Now, Paul addresses Timothy in 1st Timothy, and that's where I'd like you to turn, as he talks about what it could look like if everyone was engaged in generosity, in giving. It was a significant part of his ministry to exhort generosity. And he calls on the church in Ephesus to move away from the pull of culture that has them defined in what they own or how much they make or what they do with their lives and really moves them into uh, a dignity where they're created by their loving heavenly father, their creator. They're given dignity for purpose and to make a contribution to to advance his kingdom. And so join me in First Timothy chapter 6 beginning in verse 6 as we read that. He says this. He says there now there is great gain in godliness with contentment for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And literally what he's saying there is is this slippery slope that is when you define yourself materially, you get enwrapped and entrenched in it and you get pulled right into the sway of culture and Christ moves from center to the last and the leftover in your life. And so Paul says to him, but Timothy... You are a man of God. Flee this stuff. Flee this way and pursue righteousness. Pursue Christ in your life. And then turn with me to verse 17 of First Timothy 6. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What is he saying here? Well, first of all, who's he talking to? And through these two passages, he's basically taking a big, big, uh, magic marker and going around this whole room and he's saying everyone in this room who desires to be rich or is rich that's who i'm talking to and those who desire to be rich be on warning be on warning because that desire in itself just to get more and to have more plunges you into temptation do you see how the progression goes look at this he says he says in verse nine, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's kind of like you're walking down a path and you see a bait and you go over to the bait and you grab the bait and you, little do you know, there's a trap and it springs up and it traps you and it plunges you into destruction. That was the picture. And he says, boy, the material world pulls you into that sway. Pulls you into that, that you buy into the lie that if you just had this car, if you just had that home, if you just had that vacation, if you just made $10,000 more, everything would be better. If you just could purchase that and have that upgrade and it's we're caught into this whole marketing scheme. That even though you are one of the wealthiest countries in the world, even though you have more options and more opportunities for personal decisions and personal rights that you've ever had in the history of humanity, we still are discontent. It's never enough. Paul says, be careful. That's a trap. That's a trap to define your life based on what you have or how much you make. And he gives some dangers here. First of all, he says, with godliness, with contentment, that's great gain. But he says it on the the whole contrast to the material possessions we have. Material possessions, when we define life in the material, and we define our success based on what we have, look out, godlessness and discontentment usually usually result. We also can be trapped in the temporary. Whether we desire to be rich, he, he says this, You brought nothing into this world. You take nothing out. Remember, this world, our our culture, also agrees with that. They say, yes, you're born and then you die. So the time in between needs to be the most pleasure, the most opportunity for you have the greatest fun and personal satisfaction. And that's what you pour your life into. And God says, no, no, no. You are not the shortest distance between two lines. You're far more. You're far more. And you're worth far more than just birth and death. You're eternal. And and the the way we steward everything God has given us right now will actually store up a treasure in the future. And you can literally liberate your life from the trappings of present when you are generous, when you are ready to share. Now, I have three boys. And every one of them was given to me without nothing. They had nothing on. All they were doing was screaming. They came into this world with nothing. And I happen to be a pastor. And when I bury someone, when we do a memorial service for someone, they have nothing. There are no U-Hauls, to quote Ford, who said that. There are no U-Hauls at funerals. You can't take it with you. And we can buy into this lie That it's all about what we have. And the Apostle Paul says, no, don't buy that trap. Don't buy that lie. You're worth far more than our society would value you. You're you're worth far more than an income. And even if I could say this, you you are far more than what you do with 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week if you're working really hard. You're far more than that. He, he brings us through the book of Ephesians. He basically says, you're a child of God. And then he even says, and into the, all those, if you're married, you're a husband to your wife or a wife to your husband. And then if you have children, if you, you're a father to that, those are your first three callings. So live them out to the fullest and don't be wrapped up in just the material realm. But ultimately what he's going to say here is whether we're rich or not, or feel we're rich or not, we all can be liberated from the pull of materialism. And here's how. We can all give. We can all give. It's one of the greatest blessings of a walk with Christ. And I'm not only here teaching it, I'm a strong believer in it. Over the course of my life, I've gone from giving nothing, to giving sporadically, to giving committedly and dedicatedly to the Lord. And I will tell you, apart from apart from getting into the Word each day, It's been the greatest blessing in my walk with Jesus is the opportunity to give. And that's why I believe this passage is really saying to us that a deeper and richer life is promised to everyone who gives. Now, just so you don't think I've gone uh, heretical and going to the health, wealth and prosperity message. Let me just say this. There have been times when I gave that something broke in my house that I really would have wished I had that money to pay that But you know what? God has always provided for me. There have been times when I thought I could pay God off and I could actually, you know, no, you can't pay God off. It would insult him to try to do that. But one thing you realize, if you want to be liberated from materialism and selfishness and self-interest and vanity, folks, giving. And that's why I want this message to really say, you really can't afford not to give. I hear that excuse all the time. Pastor, I'd love to give, I just can't afford to. No, you can't afford not to. And to be quite honest with you, this is something we all practice in our lives. How many of us are parents and we say, honey, share, share that toy, share that toy. Because we don't want our kids walking into environments and going, it's me, it's high about me. We don't want the me monster in our families. We don't like it when... Well, most of our moms in this room don't like it. When you prepare the meal, you set the table, you get, you know, refills or whatever. And then you clean up the whole thing where your family just comes in, consumes and leaves. You don't like that. Guys, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You ought to know. We all know that by now. And we don't like to come into an environment like this and go, kids, kids. There's going to be cookies when you walk through those doors. You grab as many cookies as you can and get that bottled water that they have and load up on that and then go downstairs. And there's free t-shirts just for getting into the mountain program. Take it all. We don't do that. We don't do that. Unless we're creepy. We don't do that. You'd never suggest that as the ideal way to go, to be a taker. You don't. And to be quite honest, the people who believe and are most convinced in this are people who are giving and giving generously to the Lord. I and and I'll be one of them. I'll just be open with you. I've never regretted giving to the Lord. And folks, I've invested in in companies like WorldCom and Enron and all those dot com busts that were out there in the early or late 1990s and 2000s folks i i know bad financial decisions and i've regretted those i've never regretted investing into the kingdom of god and it's the great liberator you can come here and make ten thousand dollars a year and you can give to the lord and all of a sudden liberated liberated because god is not concerned about how much you make He's concerned about what you're doing with what you make and what he's entrusted to you. So whether you don't feel rich or you are rich, God calls us all into being his family of committed followers. So that you walk into a place like this as a family member and you say, what can I give here? Not what can I get from this place? And can I just say something? This has been a great investment this church fellowship bible church what god is doing at fellowship bible church has been a great investment we have seen if you've been here a while you have seen him double and triple and tenfold our church with the number of people you have seen us move from the inside to the outside in our community investing tens of thousands now hundreds of thousands of dollars outside this wall 20 percent of every dollar given It moves outside this church, not wrapped up with anything on the Bryan Fellowship Bible Church. You know what the average is in America, the American church? 2%. Is that ridiculous? 2% of what people give churches in the United States moves outside their churches. And then we want people to tithe and give 10% of their income when we only give two. That's why the average American church gets just over 2% of people's incomes. Because we aren't living by what we're calling people into. I think we need to lead and that's why we're leading. Our elders really see that as moving as much money outside of the walls of this church into our community and around the world to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we're the generation that wants to be generous. We're the generation that wants to be a blessing with the gospel and the goodness and the gifts that God has given us. Folks, a deeper, richer life really is promised. And that's why the people who are giving right now would tell you that. And I'm not going to ask you to search them out in this room, but we could probably talk to some. If you're giving and you're giving faithfully and regularly and sacrificially here, this group is convinced. Who's not convinced? Those who aren't. (laughs) Those who aren't. This is the reality of God's word. It's promised to us. Those who desire to be rich, warning. Those who are rich, direction. Be generous. Be ready to share. So now let's move to our realities. And you know what? That's the question. Is everyone giving at Fellowship Bible Church? You know what? I'm never afraid of realities, even though they may not look like good news. I always want to look at realities. It's important. And a family that talks about things, a family that talks about money is a healthy family. Did you realize that? It's like you want to sabotage your marriage? Don't talk about money. Don't talk about giving. Don't talk about where the money goes. No, because we may fight. No, no, no. no, The depth of your family is related to the depth of conflict you will go see we actually there's healing in knowing realities because now you know the truth and the truth always wins the truth always wins so healthy families talk about this and if i could be so honest if we don't talk about it here and if we ignore the teaching of the word of god which addresses money as one of its top subjects across its pages which god knows our treasure where we put our treasure so he addresses that if we ignore talking about this, then guess what? The vision the world crafts for you takes over. And you know what? That's killing you. And it's not working. That's why our families are 104% of their spending of what they make. That's why we plunge into hundreds of dollars a month into debt, which turns into thousands of dollars a year. which turns into tens of thousands of dollars in credit card bills. And we wonder where it all went. Because we don't talk about it. Folks, we've got to be able to engage this topic and give a hope and a a vision for the future if everyone was engaged. So everyone can do this. But you know what? As we look at our congregation, here's three kind of major grids. People who give nothing, people who give at least $10 a month up to $100 a month and those who give at least $100 a month to what God is doing here at Fellowship Bible Church. By the way, if you're visiting, welcome. Here's our family. 29% give over $100 a month. 44% give over $10, but under $100. And 27% give nothing. If you were to just take a look at this reality of how much do the 29% fund of all the money and all the gifts received for the Lord here at Fellowship Bible Church... 92% 92% of everything received is funded by 29% of our congregation, our family. Uh, that leaves for the other 44% who are engaged in giving sporadically 8% that they're covering and 0% for those who give zero. See, that's the interesting thing about zero is zero times anything is still zero, which means we need to engage this. Because 27% are very passive in giving. Now, let me just look at average gifts. The average of zero is always zero, okay? The average of uh, those who give at least $10 a month is $26. Everyone in that group, 44% of our congregation, the average gift is $26 a month. And if you give over $100, look at this amount, $456 a month. Folks, those people who have been the foundation have have basically funded a majority of what God has done here. And not only have they funded the budget, but they've also funded an expansion so that we can make this room larger as we make an expansion out here to the West. And they are helping fund that. But look at that. Would this say that we as a church family are engaged in giving? Would this say that we're generous, that we're ready to share as the most part when over two-thirds are basically disengaged from regular ongoing giving to their church family? Why is this? I've asked that question. Why do we have uh, kind of a sleeping giant in this this concept? Well, number one is this. We're uninformed. We're uninformed. And that has to do with knowledge. And here's usually what happens when people walk into Fellowship Bible Church. Oh, there's cookies. There's water. Uh, the lights are on. It's hot outside and cooler in here. It's comfortable. I have a comfortable seat. People around me don't look like this is poor and destitute. It's just a lively, fun environment. And it's, it's okay. No one's telling me there's a financial crisis here. But until there's a financial crisis, I won't give. Folks, do you really want that? Really? Do you want a church to go, folks, we're gonna shut her down this week if you don't give, so we're locking the doors and we're passing the plates again. Do you want to be a part of a family that's like that? Do you want to live next to a neighbor who goes, man, my electricity's gonna be cut off, and so you write out the check to the electric company for 150 bucks, and they go get, but the next month my mortgage, the house is gone if you don't give to me. Do you want that? No! No, we don't get great joy out of that. That's something else is happening behind the scenes of that home that you don't know about and you can't control. And you're only called folks. If we can't manage money well, then we shouldn't be a place that stands before the Lord to receive tithes and offerings. It's not just what we receive. It's how we spend it. You know what? You don't want to be in a place and you don't buy things or buy into anything that's in crisis. You run from those places. Because God has blessed us here, all the more reason to make an investment for his kingdom here. Because God is entrusting with us with people, all the more reason. Because God has given us so many opportunities out like in the High Crest community. Folks, you're informed. So we need to move beyond that. You don't need it. Because that really doesn't function for anything else in our lives. I'll only give to the places that really need it. Folks, 20%, just think of what could happen if all of us were engaged. We estimate right now, if everyone in our church congregation tithed, gave 10% to the Lord, we could give $3 million a year outside of this church. It would be the single largest expenditure outreach. Single largest, greater than staff, greater than anything right now and none of us needs to get a uh, increase in wages or income. None of us needs to win the lotto for that to happen. We just have to we have to be connected to the truth of God's word and follow Christ. Secondly, a lot of us are uncertain. We're afraid. We're afraid to give. And and that's why Paul says whether you're wealthy or not, those who are wealthy in this present age Folks, don't put your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Riches come, riches go. And you know what? God has taught my heart over the years to move away from fear in giving and into being a person of faith in giving. And you know what? I really believe that's the best and that's the first and the best of everything I do in life is to give. To give of my time. To give of my interest. To give of of the resources God has entrusted me. Folks, you can't afford not to give. That's why when you give, you move into certainty, not into uncertainty. Others of us are uncontrolled in our spending. And we get to the end of the month and go, I don't have enough to give. It's all gone. And again, we're uncontrolled. And we need self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. And as a part of us following Jesus, everything in our lives from... What we look at on a screen to what we spend on a screen all has to be controlled because otherwise we can plunge into destruction, as Paul says. Some of us are unprepared. So we show up here and we don't think about it. And so we end up throwing pocket change at God and we don't plan it. In anything worthy of significance in your life, anything that's important, you will plan for anything. And then finally, we're just unwilling. And that's why it comes down to obedience. You know what? It's so many things in our lives is, is not attached to the truth. It's attached to our will. And we can be told a whole bunch of things, but ultimately it comes down to simple obedience. I'm going to trust that giving is better than spending. That being a blessing is better than Taking. That's the grid. We've got to believe this, folks. And you know what? As I said, the most convinced are those who are giving. So before you give, you won't be convinced. It's one of those things you have to have simple obedience and you start and you watch as God shows you that blessing. Folks, we literally, if the sleeping giant of generosity awoke in our church, We literally could get our arms around Topeka, around this region and around the world with the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, a walk with Christ in discipling people, making disciples everywhere. So what could that look like if everyone gives? Well, let me just say this. Everyone in here can give. This is the fourth time i preached this this weekend. And I really believe this. I believe every one of us in here can give if. If, number one, we have the purpose of what we're on, on the earth for. And we're to model the love of Jesus. Who loved us and gave himself up for us. And you know what? That's the reality. We need to reflect a generous God. We need to realize that when I give, I liberate my life from the trappings of materialism. I realize that I'm a blessing to people around me when I give. And I realize that I advance the gospel. Every one of us should share in that if we're part of this family. Secondly, every one of us can give if it's it's a priority. If it's a priority. I won't do it, but if I could look at your checkbook or at your uh, online bank account, I could tell you immediately what are your priorities in your life. Because your priorities, money always follow priorities. Always. And that's why we're called in the scriptures, as David said, I will not give to the Lord something that costs me nothing. We're called to give something significant to God—not our last and our leftovers, but our first and our best. I was hired here on the fifteenth, and so of February two thousand two, every month on the fifteenth, I give because it's the first and the best of my income. If you don't do that and you don't prioritize it, you will—you will fall into giving God your last and your leftovers, and that never works. Never works. Doesn't work in marriage. Try that, guys. Come home, give your wife your last and your leftovers. That doesn't work. Trust me. I'm PhD in that one, okay? No, that doesn't work. Give your kids your last and your leftovers. See how that works. It doesn't. It doesn't work in anything. And we're calling you to worship God with your first and your best through giving. It needs to be a priority. And then it just needs to be a plan. This is how much I will commit to give. This is how often I will give. And we're going to encourage you to give something significant that means something and to give it monthly. That's what we're going to call you into, because that's what we're doing throughout this month. Every dollar given to the Lord here at Fellowship Bible Church will be used to plan future our future ministry budget for the upcoming ministry year, which begins July 1st. You will help us and we will see how God works in the hearts of his family by your obedience to this. So if we level, we'll hear, well, the spirit is still working and we won't be able to do as much as we originally wanted to, but we will follow because we will be good stewards of what God has given us always. Large or small amounts, everyone makes a difference. How much, how often? Make that plan because here's the deal. The the reality is we want everyone to really buy into that your life will be richer and deeper. When you give. Last week we said. Make a commitment to worship your heavenly father daily. Aim for. Aim for seven. Shoot. A, a, I mean. A, and hit. Hit five times a week. With your church family. Aim for four times a month. And hit three. Because. Three the difference from two to three is significant in what you'll catch in vision, what your kids will catch in a discipleship program called the Mountain. Two to three makes a huge difference. To shoot for four, get three. Oh, here we're gonna call you to give something monthly. Monthly. Something significant that literally says Jesus is my priority, and being connected to a church family is a plan. To start giving. It's a commitment of participation. You know, if you have guests over, and I have guests over a lot. We bought our house because we could entertain guests. And I love having guests over. And, and sometimes there's guests who come over more than once or twice or three times. And sooner or later, if you keep coming to my house, I'm going to say, do you mind bringing dessert? Do you mind bringing, bringing some side dishes? I'll, I'll, I'll handle the meat here. Because you just don't, no one benefits from perpetual guests. You don't want to be a perpetual guest in a church family. You want to be people who are participating, participating. See, our reality is that 29% give 92%. And I'm just looking for full engagement. Because if those who give nothing start giving something and those who give at least something start making a significant gift, folks, look at what could happen. See, 92% would be provided by 73% of our congregation. See, that's called shared giving. That's all shared giving, but we're all engaged. It's not just a minority. It's a majority are active and engaged in giving to your church family. And that's why what we give as a church family in May will be used to help us plan Hey, one of the things I want to just give you, and this is at no extra charge, okay? But uh, one thing that we've provided and that I've been a part of for two years has been online giving. And here's why. I'm the pastor of this church, okay? I've come four services in a row and I still come home and I look in my pocket and I go, there's my tithing check. Doggone it, I missed it. How could I miss it? Four times the plate went by me and I missed it. Because I get distracted here when I'm preparing for a message. And so Cheryl and I went online and in five minutes we set up online giving. We've never missed ever because of that. Now, I worked here on Monday so I could put it in the deal so it doesn't apply to me. But there's so many people and I've talked to so many people who said, boy, I, oh, I, missed, I missed three months in the summer. There are some who said, well, I don't like online giving because I like the feeling of putting the check in the offering plate. It just feels good. But if you look at the reality... There's months even those people have missed. Now, I'll tell you this. I will never know how much you give because I don't know that information. I don't want to know that information because I never want to kiss up to you if you give a lot of money here and I never want to kiss off if you don't give anything. I just don't want to be that guy. don't want to be that pastor. And it also helps me so that I can communicate without any reservation room like this that it really is better to give than to receive. It really is. I'm, I'm a huge believer in that because I participate like that. And you may not know anything about my giving, but if you did, if you did see the reality, none of you would see that it's inconsistent with anything I've taught today. I, I, I love to be generous and ready to, sh- to share. And And because I really believe my life is deeper and richer because of it. Folks, I honestly believe that this can be a blessing, huge blessing. Let me show you how to go online and do that. First of all, you need to set up an account. As you go onto our website, there's a thing on the far right that says give. Just press give and you'll have this screen here. That lime green arrow that says sign up. Just go there if you don't have an account there. And we do this for security. And so anytime you can check on that or change this, you can go into it and it's fully secure and I won't know about it. It's just, it's, it's, it's a great system to do this. Once you sign up, look at this. You'll, you'll be given a link uh, through your email address and you can go online now and go to this. It's on FBC link and it says give. I click give. And I go to repeating gift because I want to give here faithfully every month. And so I get it out of my checking account. So I press checking account there and it gives me this form. Really simple. And on the top of that form, if you zoom in there, it says, this is how much I'll give. I'll give it to the general account of Fellowship Bible Church. I'll give it and I can just switch that. It's a pull down menu do monthly and then starting when And I started it immediately when I did that. And you know what? Then I gave them this information. I gave them my address. I gave them my email. And by the way, if you didn't like this message, you can send your emails to that email address or you can pick it outside my house. I now gave you my real address. So, all right. So let's move on from billing information. And then you just fill this out. If you have any online experience, by the way, our average age at our church is 28. 28 28-year-olds don't carry cash. You carry that little debit card or whatever card you have. You can set it all up so that it can be faithful for you. It's a system. It's automatic. And then you just click submit. And it's it. I did that two years ago. I've been faithful every month to give to what God is doing at his church. And I do this in most of my giving so that I'll be faithful and people can count on me in their planning of their ministries. So this is a blessing because here's the deal. Everyone, we really believe this, everyone who gives can have a deeper and richer life. It's the promises of scripture. We reflect our creator, our generous God. We model his generosity. So what if you start giving and you can't make your grocery bill in future months? What if in giving, you can't make your electric bill in future months? We're your church family. Let us be one of your first calls. Oh, you mean you help with with groceries if I don't have any groceries? Yes. You mean you help pay electric bills if that's about to get turned off? Yes. How many months do you do that so I can take advantage of you? No. No. No, sooner or later... We're going to sit you down with someone over time and go, "Wow, how can what, let's talk through your budget?" Because I show my budget to wise people all the time, and they encourage me in that. But if you go through a crisis, folks, we're your family. No one starves at Fellowship Bible Church. We're your family. We have money that can help you and take care of. You. And by the way, we were put in a culture to be that group. To be a group of people, who gather around people who are struggling and help them to know the areas of poverty in a community and target those places to be generous, but not just to throw out a handout, but to give a help up and out of that environment. And that's exactly the areas we're connected in this city because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, we'll take care of everyone here, but, but we're a family. And to appreciate that, we can't just view this as a place I can get things from, but a place I can give and make a difference. Every one of you matters to God. And every one of you can make a difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us, which was so generous. Everything about you is generous. So why do we, as a family, just see what we can get from you rather than what we can give to you? Well, Lord, move us away from that mindset. Let us obey Paul's words in First Timothy, your word, which guides us into reality of being generous and ready to share. May you work through your Holy Spirit, a true spirit in your family today. Awaken the sleeping giant of generosity in our church that we might be a blessing far beyond our walls and the kingdom of God would advance on earth as it is in heaven. For it's in his name, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen.